So sometimes this is called insight meditation. This practice that uh, we teach comes from the Theravada tradition, which as best we know is, is what the Buddha taught. Uh, it comes from the, uh, the suttas, the teachings that the Buddha gave uh, as he traveled in northern India for 45 years and talked about what he'd learned in terms of the insights that he developed, the skills that he developed that led him to awakening. Uh, sometimes we call this again insight meditation. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to think about, or there's a, a number of different ways that we can think about what insight is, and at different times, different ways of understanding what insight is. And what I should say is, at different times, different ways of looking at things can help us develop insight. Uh, one of the ways that, uh, that I like to uh, frame insight uh, in terms of uh, what I look at, uh, I mean, the heart, insight is in the heart. Insight is in the heart. Uh, our job is just to know where to look and to be able to look with enough space so that we can uh, connect to the truth in the heart. So we, meditation really helps us create conditions uh, where there's enough space where we can look at things and understand things, not here, but here. Uh, the part that is important about what's up here is knowing where to look. So the kind of the frame to put around our experience so that insight can resonate in the heart. So uh, one way to think about a frame uh, that we can look through in terms of developing the insight that's already there, that's already there within you, in the heart. Uh, uh, you know, the Buddha didn't, he didn't come up with insight uh, based on things that he made up. They weren't theories, they were things that he understood in the heart by paying attention to his experience. So one of the ways that we can pay attention to our own experience in terms of framing it so that we develop understanding, insight, wisdom, is to uh, pay attention to uh, where we're looking for happiness, how we're seeking to find happiness in this life, and specifically seeing uh, what it's like when we look for happiness in things that can't bring lasting happiness, things that are impermanent, things that are conditioned. So uh, this is an important way to understand, uh, to understand uh, what we're doing that's causing us suffering and leading us away from happiness. Because insight is always, in the Buddhist teaching, in the service of leading us away from suffering and towards happiness. It's the insight into what's leading us away from suffering and towards happiness. So we, one of the ways to understand that is pay attention to the drawbacks in looking for happiness and things that can't bring a lasting happiness. Uh, so one of the teachings that the Buddha gave that I, I find most helpful in this respect is seeing the drawbacks in looking for happiness in the vicissitudes. So specifically, that would mean seeing the drawbacks in looking for happiness in sense pleasures, in gain and material things, in status and in praise. Uh, so one of the ways that that might manifest for us in terms of what we're looking at is we see our desire for sense pleasure. Uh, you know, that desire, which of course is informed by the belief, the understand, the idea that we have that these sense pleasures will bring us happiness. Uh, and maybe they will. 
Maybe they'll bring us some kind of a happiness, but what kind of happiness is that? Uh, the teachings of the Buddha would suggest that it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a limited happiness and that there's a greater happiness. But these are the things that we're asked to look and to pay attention to. These aren't, uh, you know, rules for decorum uh, and things that we're asked to do. They're things that we're asked to look at and pay attention so we can make decisions for ourselves about how we want to live. So uh, we, can, we develop insight by seeing uh, the drawbacks and looking for happiness and sense pleasure external sense pleasure uh, in gain and material things in status and praise uh, seeing our desire or our wanting our wanting sense pleasure uh, our wanting gain if it's money or material things that come from money wanting status wanting praise believing that if we have those things we'll be happy and of course the converse uh, seeing the not wanting pain and loss and disrepute and blame. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, one of the ways famously, or at least to my way of seeing things famously, that the Buddha described suffering is, you know, the crying and weeping uh, that, we, that we engage in over uh, being separated from what we find pleasing and, and joined with what we find displeasing. So, uh, so, Another way, of course, of you know understanding or framing this understanding, or uh, or uh, uh, of, of of deepening this understanding is seeing how we're looking for happiness in things outside of ourselves, uh, things that are conditioned, uh, things that we really don't have that much control over, uh, things that are subject to birth and death, coming and going. One of the ways the, the teachings describe this, this way that we seek to take in and uh, indulge in uh, these conditioned things, if it's uh, status or praise or material things or sense pleasures is, uh, the Buddha describes it as how we engage in this process of feeding. You know, we're, we're, we're in this, we're, we're constantly looking to feed on different, you know, we look to feed on food, uh, uh, you, know, you know, the kind of food that we have to, we put in our mouths so that we can sustain ourselves. And then of course, there's a lot of other food that we might put in our mouths that aren't so necessary to sustaining ourselves. Uh, so we feed on real food, but also all other kinds of sense pleasure. Uh, we feed on uh, uh, on different ways of uh, uh, you know different material things or uh, different kinds of status or or praise. Uh, so we we kind of engage in this process of feeding. So so insight, you know. Uh, one of the ways to, that we like to think about insight is looking at how you are engaging in this process of feeding, you know, engaging in this process of feeding. Now, some feeding is necessary, you know, but, you know, what, 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 are, what are my feeding habits? What are my feeding habits? How am I looking to nourish myself vis-a-vis -vis sense pleasure, gain material things, uh, uh, 
uh, status and praise. You know, this is, you know, this, this process of feeding and our desire for uh, sense pleasure and material things and status and praise, you know, I mean, that this is, this is how our minds are. You know, this is how our minds are. Uh, so, you know, you know, the practice is a practice of understanding how our minds are, seeing what we're doing and how, we're, how, we, how we are that's causing suffering and, and seeing if we can change that. Uh, you know, uh, you know, if you think about, uh, you know, the feeding habits of a baby, uh, a young child, you know, some parents here, you know, uh, you know, the baby is hungry and wants to feed and just cries and screams, you know, people here are parents know that as uh, the oldest of five children and having babies in the house when I was growing up. I know that well. <laughs> I remember that quite well. My younger brothers and sisters, you know, when they were babies, screaming and it's like, you know, like shut up, you know, you know, and of course wanting their food, wanting their food. You know, uh, you know that's what a baby does. You know, it's like it wants it. It screams and cries. But you know, we're kind of not that different, right? You know, we're not that different. You know, we we're, we we we've kind of. Uh, you know, learn to be a little more polite in our attitudes, maybe, but we're not that so different from the baby that's screaming and crying when we're not getting what we want, you know, you know, uh, when we're not able or to feed uh, or when we're hungry. Uh, so, you know, we may see this with the pandemic, right? Uh, that, you know, we may be deprived of some of our uh, usual ways of feeding uh, and we may be uh, very unhappy about that. So, you know, it's a really, again, you know, as a Dharma student, you know, these are all opportunities for learning and seeing, wow, look at how much I, you know, I, uh, I'm unhappy about not having these things that I typically might have in terms of the ways that I might typically feed, you know, if it's in terms of different sense pleasures or different things that, you know, we like to do that we're not able to do these days because of, because of the pandemic. So, so again, you know, as, as Dharma students, uh, what we're looking to do is, is to reflect, uh, you know, so, you know, the Dharma talk is always just an op opportunity for reflection, you know, where are we looking to feed in an effort to know happiness, you know, where are we looking to feed, what are we, what are we looking, you know, I, I've just found this so interesting over the past months, you know, and just seeing how I'm like that baby screaming because there's certain things that I want, I want my, I want my food. You know, I want the stuff that I don't have, you know, uh, you know, so, you know, so that's, a, that's a, that's a very, uh, you know, you know, again, as the Dharma student, we, we turn that into an opportunity for, for understanding and looking and seeing. So where are we looking to feed in an effort to know happiness? What are the consequences of, you know, of this, of this wanting happiness in, in feeding on these things? Is there another way? You know, the Buddha's path offers us a different way, uh, a different kind of happiness than the happiness that comes from feeding on sense pleasure. So again, the four categories, uh, sense pleasure, gain, material things, status, and praise. Uh, 
what the Buddha offers us is a way, and the Buddhist teachings offer us, is a way to develop skills so that we can know a happiness that's not dependent on conditioned things. A happiness that's not dependent on sense pleasure, not dependent on material things, not dependent on status and praise. So it's a happiness that's not dependent on conditioned things. So, uh, you know, we begin to, we begin to, to, uh, to develop that, you know, on the path, you know, in, in meditation, uh, you know, just like what we did today for a half hour or so, uh, we begin to, uh, we begin to touch into that place of, uh, of happiness that uh, isn't dependent on, on conditioned things. So, you know, we're putting aside these conditioned things in the meditation, right? You know, we're turning off the TV and, you know, we're putting aside the different sense pleasures and, uh, the different material things and, uh, you know, the interactions in which we, uh, or the ways that we look for status and praise. I mean, sometimes we're looking for status and praise as a good meditator. Uh, uh, we're looking, uh, as I talked about last week, not outside for happiness in these conditioned things, but in a happy, for a happiness that's inside, that's inside. So, you know, it begins with in the body, right? In, a, in the body, uh, where we uh, come to a place of ease and peace and stillness in the body. So, you know, the Buddha called that a pleasure not of the flesh, you know, a pleasure that's not dependent on external things, right? I write about that a lot in my book. You know, this pleasure that we come to know uh, is different than the Buddha's, than the external sense pleasure that most beings are looking for. It's an internal pleasure that's not dependent on things outside of ourselves. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we, we bring the mind into a place of calmness and stillness, you know, uh, and there's a quality of peace there uh, around which there's real happiness, you know, there's real happiness. Uh, so uh, when we're not chasing after uh, pleasure, gain, status, and praise, uh, you know, the heart is not afflicted. The heart is not afflicted. And we were able to be connected to the heart and know happiness of heart. Uh, so, uh, you know, the practice, of course, is a practice that's a gradual, uh, a gradual practice. It's a gradual training. It's a gradual shifting of the scales, as I've always talked about. Uh, you know, gradually from day to day, we look to uh, change the feeding habits of the mind we look to find a happiness in uh, that which is not conditioned or that which isn't uh, uh, dependent, a happiness in which we're not dependent on things outside of ourselves, a happiness in which we're dependent on, not dependent on things outside of ourselves, outside of ourselves, outside of ourselves. We're always looking outside of ourselves for, some, for happiness. So the practice is a happiness of, of coming in and knowing uh, the happiness of the heart, the heart that's not afflicted. You know, the heart is typically afflicted, right? You know, the heart is typically afflicted by uh, the wanting, the wanting, the not wanting what we have that we don't want. Uh, 
So, you know, we're, we're looking for this happiness and purity of heart. Purity of heart, the happiness of the heart. Uh, you know, when we have this kind of purity of heart, we just are able to remain in the heart. And, you know, there isn't this incessant looking for something outside of ourselves, you know, that afflicts the heart. So, you know, again, it's a gradual training. Uh, the training, the way the Buddha offers it, always begins not actually with meditation, of course, but with generosity. So, you know, these are things to reflect on. This is how we begin to make this shift away from uh, looking for a happiness and condition things and things outside of ourselves is, you know, practicing generosity, you know. So it's so different than this getting, getting, you know, what Ajahn Buddhadasa called the getting and being mind. I've got to get stuff and I've got to be somebody, you know. So we begin to shift away from that by practicing generosity. Uh, and we know happiness of heart when we practice generosity. We know the happiness inside, you know, the joy inside that comes from giving. We begin to connect to the heart by practicing generosity in a skillful way. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that we can reflect on is how can we incline more towards generosity? Uh, the second aspect of the training that the Buddha gave was in virtue, uh, in, in practicing non-harming, following the precepts. Yeah. So these are things that are very important. Uh, when we practice the precepts, it brings joy to the heart. It brings joy to the heart that we're not causing any harm with our actions. We're not causing any harm with our actions. Uh, you know, and of course, it, you know, when, when we're causing harm with our actions, it causes so much affliction in the heart, you know. So, uh, you know, it begins with the precepts uh, and practicing non-harming and then it's skillful action, really paying attention to our action and our speech, you know, is so important. Uh, uh, to, to develop purity of heart. So, uh, so you know, this is again, uh, you know, an area of reflection. How can we purify our action? How can we, you know, move towards taking action in which we're not causing any harm? You know, is our action uh, motivated by the wish not to cause any harm? The next thing in the training uh, is uh, is simplicity. Is simplicity. Uh, so uh, you know, simplicity in terms of the vicissitudes would be uh, would would entail uh, you know less chasing after sense pleasure, less chasing after gain and material things, less chasing after status and praise. I mean, I always find the vicissitudes interesting because everybody sort of has different areas. Uh, you know, for me, I have to really watch, you know, status and praise, you know. Uh, you know, that's those are areas that I really uh, I'm prone to want to feed on and look for happiness in. So, uh, so you know, in practicing simplicity, uh, you know, we're, we, we're, there's less... Uh, you know, we're inclining gradually to chasing to less of a, uh, engagement in looking for happiness in sense, pleasure, gain, status, and praise. Um, you know, this wanting afflicts the heart. 
you know, so when there's less, affl- you know, less engaging in chasing after these things, there's less affliction in the heart. It's just the way that it is. It's just the way that it is. Uh, so, you know, again, reflecting, you know, how am I chasing after external happiness? You know, uh, how am I chasing after happiness in sense pleasure? Where are areas that I can change? Uh, and practice more simplicity, more simplicity, more simplicity. So it's a gradual process of uh, looking for happiness less outside of ourselves and more happiness in the heart, more happiness in the heart. This is how you do it, you know, according to the Buddha. Practice generosity, practice virtue, simplicity, less, you know, kind of makes sense, right? Less engagement in feeding, less feeding. Less feeding, less feeding, less feeding, and then, and then of course you know you know I mean and this is this teaching is actually a very classical teaching that the Buddha gave you know I mean he would move his disciples through this what's called a gradual training, uh, you know developing these skills of generosity and skillful action and simplicity and then into meditation, you know meditation sort of being you know, the culmination of, uh, of, you know, one's spiritual journey. You know, in the West, it's different. We throw people right into meditation, you know, and, for, and to a large extent, people don't really succeed so much in meditation because they haven't really developed those three other areas. I mean, that's kind of boilerplate, you know, uh, boilerplate uh, interpretation of, of the of the of the uh, deficiencies of the way meditation is practiced in the West, right? Uh, so, uh, so uh, you know, but meditation, of course, is you know is extremely extremely important in terms of the training, in terms of the training. So, if we want to, if we want to shift and change from uh, you know, looking for happiness or uh, a life dependent on external things, pleasure, gain, status, praise for happiness. Uh, And if we want to shift to, you know, uh, all of which are extremely impermanent and unreliable, uh, if we want to shift towards knowing this happiness of the heart, uh, and, and looking in this life for happiness and the happiness of the heart. And, you know, that's a process that, you know, we, we have to kind of go through. And, uh, you know, it really ultimately is, you know, it's about our view of things and the way that we perceive life and the way that we want to live, right? You know, this is insight, you know. Uh, you know, to me, the Buddha was a pretty smart guy. He knew how to find happiness, you know. So many people in our culture are looking for happiness in material things and sense pleasures and status and praise, let's face it. You know, you know, and we, we think those are the smart people. I don't think they're the smart people, but there's, you know, but because that's what most people are doing, it's really hard not to kind of believe that that's the way you know, I got this and I got that and this is the way things are and I'm this person and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, all that identity and, you know, you know, it's like, well, what's, what real, where, where is happiness really, you know? Uh, so, uh, you know, 
as we move more towards that understanding and that and that intention, that resolve to live that way, uh, and this is sort of the, you know, the uh, denouement, if you will. Uh, you got to meditate more. You know, <laughs> it comes down to you know more practice. You know, more practice, more practice. You know. Uh, so it's more generosity and more virtue and more simplicity, but more practice, more practice, more meditation, more meditation. Uh, so you know, this is sort of the, uh, you, know, you know, kind of the thing that, you know, meditation teachers in the West are like really afraid to say, you know, but, you know, you know can we practice more, you know? From my perspective, most people can stand to practice more, can stand to practice more. I mean, you know, there are some times, you know, when I'll tell people, maybe you need to practice a little bit less. That's usually with newer students, you know, you know, because again, you know, just what I was talking about, you know, your capacity to practice more, to practice more, uh, you know, is going to be dependent on the quality of resolve, you know, and resolve comes over time. Uh, based on what you've understood is in your best interests, you know, and if you're new, you don't have that quality of resolve. So, um, plus you don't have the skill to meditate skillfully. For, but for most, in most cases, most people will benefit from meditating more. Most people will benefit from meditating more, from sitting more. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen this in my own practice, just, you know, even during the pandemic, you know, and of course, at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I was encouraging people, you know, maybe don't meditate so much. The mind is very agitated. Maybe there's darkness. If there's darkness in the mind, that's a, a, a drawback, uh, you know, pre uh, contraindicated in terms of meditation. But, uh, you know, what I've seen in my, for myself over the past year is... Uh, you know, and just as I get older, and you know, and I, and I, you know, and I see where, you know, time is running short, and I want to be happy. You know, uh, one of the things that becomes more clear to me is that I, I, I need to meditate more. I need to sit more, and I sit a lot compared to most people. Let's face it, you know, but I need to sit more. You know, I need to sit more. I need to up my game. You know, uh, you know, and I have been doing that. You know, and, and. Who would have thought? But it, you know, it actually works. You know, it actually works. You know, uh, you know, there's a direct correlation between the amount of time I'm putting in the cushion and 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 my connection to the happiness of heart. I mean, it's very tangible to me. You know, it's very tangible to me. I mean, I would, uh, you know, that's why I'm teaching this. You know, it's not like an idea that I have that I haven't thoroughly investigated. Uh, so. Uh, you know, we need to practice more and we need to practice better. You know, we need to practice more. I mean, it's, there's not a lot of point in, you know, I'm going to meditate 15 more minutes every day and, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of spinning my wheels during the meditation. You know, so I think most of us could stand by for practicing more, but also improving our skill. You know, it's because it's what you're doing during that time that you're meditating, of course, is crucial. You could practice, you know, a half hour more, but if what you're doing is just sitting there, you know, as Ajahn Chah used to say, like a chicken on an egg, it doesn't really matter that much, you know. So it's more practice, but also more skillful practice, you know, where you're developing 
the qualities uh, of jhana. So you're more in your body, you practice more, you're more in the body, you know? I mean, this is just, you know, this is the equation. If you practice more, you'll be more in your body, in your meditation, but also off the cushion. Uh, you'll, and again, if you practice skillfully, you'll be cultivating the qualities of jhana. There'll be more ease in the body. Uh, there'll be more calmness and more tranquility. Uh, there'll be more of a capacity to stay in the body. You know? uh, there'll be more pleasure in the body. Uh, and you'll be able to maintain that more during the course of your day. You know, if you can develop more ease and well-being and pleasure and a more of a capacity to stay in the body during the course of the day, uh, you'll be more connected to your heart. You'll be more connected to your heart. I mean, this is how you get connected to your heart, <laughs> you know? This is how you get connected to your heart. I mean, the Buddhist path is not an easy path because you've got to do all these things, right? You know, you got to do all these things, you know, and then of course you have to develop insight to look at those things that are afflicting the heart. Uh, you know, we are, we're not even talking about that today, but you know, the more you're in the body, the more you'll be connected to your heart. I mean, everybody here who's done long retreats knows that, right? You know, I mean, we talk about this all the time, but you know, you go on a long retreat, you know, you go on a retreat for eight, nine, ten days, you know, and you go in and you're a curmudgeon, you know, and on day nine, you know, you're, you know, your heart is open and you're, you know, you, you, you love everybody at the retreat and, you know, I mean, you know, you've never experienced such, such peace and such joy. You know, why is that? You know, that's because you've spent eight days, nine days, ten days, putting aside sense pleasure and the material things, and the phone, and all that, and you've worked in getting into the body, and you've been meditating and meditating, and you're connected to the heart. You're connected to the heart. So people say, well, i got to go on more retreats. No, you just need to meditate more. You know, most householders can't do that many retreats. Retreats are great, but they're not the answer. The answer is your daily practice. And, and really sitting every day, and developing that, and being more in the body. More in the body, more in the body. The more you're in the body, the more you'll be in the heart. So our practice is knowing the heart and knowing the happiness of the heart. You know, this is our practice, to know the happiness of the heart. Our practice is to abide in the heart, you know. So, you know, when we, the more we rely on the happiness of the heart, the more we know purity of heart. You know, we're striving for purity of heart, purity of heart. You know, where what we do and the way we live is about staying connected to the heart. And what we're doing and the way that we're living is not causing affliction in the heart. You know, we cause affliction in the heart, uh, and the heart becomes, you know, the term is kilesa, kilesha, defilement. The heart becomes defiled by chasing after sense, pleasure, and gain, and status, and praise. So, uh, the more we let go of the worldly happinesses, we know the purity of the heart. And it's the greatest happiness that there is.